Thanks, you be seated. I hope that's your prayer, that your hope is found in Christ. We're going to be talking along those lines this morning. We've been talking about this, uh, we started a series on living intentionally for God. The idea is the life of shalom, the life of peace, a life of well-orderedness with your life. And so we've been tackling different subjects and different topics that kind of uh, tie in to what's involved in that kind of life. Uh, this past week, um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I was in um, Dallas, Texas, Plano with my family uh, for this week. I flew out on Monday, uh, flew back Thursday night, um, visiting my mom. Uh, my dad's gone on to be with the Lord. But my mom's 87 years old, going to be 88 here in a couple of uh, months, and uh, she's doing well. Uh, for my family, it's just my sister and I. Uh, my sister's a couple years younger than I am. Uh, uh, her and her husband live about uh, eight miles from my mom, so they're able to uh, spend some uh, time there with her. Uh, my sister and, and her husband, David, they, their world is very close to our world in that um, they had two boys. We had two boys. Um, they have uh, four grandchildren. We have four grandchildren. Uh, in our world, we have a granddaughter who's the oldest and three grandsons. In their world, they have three grandsons and a granddaughter who's the youngest. So um, here's a uh, picture of us our last night together. Uh, that's my short little mom in the front of us uh, and my sister and then her husband and then uh, Matt and Mark and, and uh, their family. Uh, so we were able to spend some time together, and it was a good time just to be together as a family. Um, I want to talk about that for a second, because here's what happened when I landed in, in, in Dallas. I kind of lost control of the next four days of my life. Somebody else was in control. Now, they had a car. Um, they let me use one of their cars for the week, so I could still uh, go different places on my own a little bit. But they set the agenda for everything. Um, now, they allowed me to have input, but the reality of it is, you know, they were like, they knew which restaurants to go to, and they knew this kind of place, and then we had to work with my mom's schedule, and then we had to work with, with all of those things on, okay, well, you know, I've got my granddaughter, they've got um, Whitley on, on, on Wednesdays, so we worked around that. And, and here's the thing, in my world, I kind of lost control for four days. Now, there were some good things about that. Because, you know, I didn't have to know, is this a good restaurant or a bad restaurant? Um, they, they would only take me to good restaurants. Uh, they, you know, I, I didn't have to worry about, well, you know, is this too far to go and how far is this and all. So the entire time, and, and I had one afternoon, it was just mom and I. And, uh, of course, you know, mothers are always going to be mothers. And so she gets in and wants to tell me, how to get to my sister's house. I love my mom to death, but um, having your mother as a side seat passenger telling you, and, and so I, before we even left the assisted living place, I said, Mom, this is Google. I said, Google Maps does all of the thinking for us. I said, it knows where the accidents are. It knows where the speed traps are. It knows where the traffic is backed. It knows everything. We're just going to follow the arrow on, the map, on Google Maps. And she was okay with that because she's learned that's what we do. 
but even then, Google Maps was in control, kind of. Now, there are some good things about that, but there's also some bad things about that. Because I don't like giving up control. I like my routine. I like things a certain way. I go to certain restaurants because they're my favorite restaurants and I know what they're going to serve and everything's good. The problem is most of us struggle with life because life is seeming to be out of control. It seems like we have more and more stuff on our plate. It seems like things are getting busier and busier, moving faster and faster. And we're having trouble, we're having issues handling all the stress and all the pressures and all the stuff of light that just keeps piling up and up and up and up and up. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because a life of shalom, an intentional life with God, as we talked about last week, involves margin. It involves space. It also involves this issue of control, of order when it comes to life. So we want to look at something that Jesus said. I'm going to look at the whole passage, and then we're going to break it down verse by verse. Here's what he said. Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So let's walk through it verse by verse. The first verse, the first thing Jesus says is, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Um, Here's what's interesting. We're in a world right now where if I talk to most of you, I would hear something like, I'm exhausted. I am so tired. Life just seems like it is, there's just so much going on. I hardly ever get a breather. This is who he's talking to. He's talking to you. Because here's what he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You're carrying loads that seem overwhelming. You've got issues on your plate that just seem to keep piling up. And he says, I will give you rest. Now, what's interesting is when we talk about this, we think this is like rest from activity. That's not what he's talking about here, because he's going to say it in the next verse. He's talking about rest for your soul. He's talking about doing something for your soul. Because what's happening is this pace that you're running, whether you realize it or not, is affecting your soul. Think about it for a minute. What do you do when you're stressed out? Everybody handles stress differently. Believe it or not, one of the things that I do sometimes when I'm stressed out, I am a stress eater. A bag of cheese balls is not safe in my house during times of stress. I'll consume the whole thing, one sitting. And I'm not talking about the, like, the, the little communion bags. I'm talking about the big bags of stuff. Because that's how I am. One, when I'm really, 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 really super stressed, I sleep. So the most stressful times in my life, I look at my life and said, I'm going to go, literally, I go up into my bedroom, 
I close the door, and I sleep for a couple hours. Now, here's what's interesting. That might do something for my body. I know what the cheese balls is doing to my body, okay? But the rest is actually a good thing in times of stress. However, neither one of those things do anything for my soul. And what Jesus is talking about here is, I'm going to give you rest for your soul. I'm going to give you something inside that helps you handle all of this stuff. Listen to what Isaiah said. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And remember that, those of you who are parenting three- and four-year-olds. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, well, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to walk, and they're not going to faint. In other words, they're going to be able to handle all of the pressures and stress of life because they have turned to the Lord, and, and, and they are depending upon him. And this is what Jesus was saying when he says, look, you need to understand that. The first step is you've got to come to me with this stuff. Then he goes on to say this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. But notice how you find rest for your souls. Look at what he said. Take my yoke upon you. So let's talk about the whole yoke thing first. Um, here's what a yoke looks like. Um, this is kind of a traditional yoke thing. The animal's heads went in between those two hoops. <clears throat> usually on that ring at the bottom was tied to, it was either tied to usually a plow or something, some kind of reins to be able to, uh, to, be able to pull the, the animal one way or another. Um, this is kind of what it looks like when you, when you, when you uh, yoke together uh, two animals. Here's a guy using it to actually plow. Um, where you can see how that, where that ring was, that's where the, the, the plow bore uh, is. Uh, these are draft horses. Okay? I wasn't sure. I had to ask somebody to be sure. But these are draft horses, all right? Right? Okay. All, okay, good. <sighs> City, country, it's a different world. So anyway, the, here's something that's fascinating about draft horses. Draft horses, because of their size and because of their muscular structure and everything else, are incredible animals to be able to pull, particularly weight. They tell us that a draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Now, here's what's fascinating. When you take that draft horse and you yoke it to another draft horse, do you know how much weight those two can pull? You would think, well, it's double, 16,000. No, it's actually 24,000, uh, uh, twice as much, or three times as much as one horse can. They tell us that if those draft horses have been raised together and have worked together their entire life, they can actually pull four times their weight, 32,000 pounds, than just simply by itself. You see, there's an incredible principle here when we start talking about yoking ourselves to Christ. When we start talking about the idea that we are going to partner with, we are going to yoke ourselves to Christ, here's the thing. All of a sudden, that load that you're carrying by yourself right now 
gets carried with the help of him who you're yoked to. Now, here's an interesting idea. How much weight is God pulling? He doesn't have any burdens. He doesn't have any load. He is able to carry your load because he is God. And you and him together can carry that load. Why? Because you are yoked to him. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, when you take your stuff and you yoke it to me, then what happens is the two of us together now can carry that thing that you're all bent out of shape or or too much stuff on your plate with. But here's an interesting concept with the yoke idea. And by the way, the scripture has a lot to say about this yoke concept, um, about who you yoke to, about unequally yoked, about not yoking certain animals together and all this. Here's why. Because when you yoke together, you have to, in essence, give up your control in order to work together with whoever you're yoked to. So in other words, if, if you're yoked together and you always want to go off in this direction, then what's going to happen? You're going to continually be chafing against those yoke. You're going to continually be frustrated because you're pulling one way and the other animal's wanting to go the other way. In the case of us as Christians, when we say, I'm going to be yoked to God, and God says, okay, this is what I have for you, then what happens is when we start wanting to go our own way, and God's trying to go this way, then all of a sudden it's a problem for us. That's why Jesus says, look, you come and you yoke to me. You let me have the control. You let exactly what happened to me this week. I got off the plane and I let somebody else have the control. And there were some good things about that and there were some hard things about that. But the idea was I was taking my hands off of it. And that's exactly what he's saying. You take that stress, you take that load, you yoke to me, you allow me to be in control here. You allow me to carry it with you, so you're not carrying it all on your own. And here's what you'll find. He says, learn of me. Um, Jesus came to this earth to model for us how to do life here. Have you ever looked at how often Jesus was in a hurry? Why? Because he had life control. In fact, even Jesus, and again, you've got to be careful here, but theologically, but even Jesus yokes himself to the Father and says, it's not my will, but his. He's going to be the one to set the agenda for me here. Because this concept is so, so important. And he says, learn of me because I'm meek and lonely. Again, countercultural. What's our culture say? Be aggressive, go to the top, step on whoever you need to step to, on, get, get to the top, get to the top, get to the top. Don't back down, stand up for your rights. That's our culture. And Jesus says, I'm meek, I'm lowly, I'm gentle. Um, and so you don't, I mean, even in like, you know, the death of Lazarus, you know, um, he waits three days. Why? He has a bigger plan at, at, at work. And then the last verse, the last part of the verse says this. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, this is where a lot of us struggle. Because you know what? The last thing you'll say about your life right now is it's easy. The last thing you'll say about your burden is 
It's not that big a deal. But Jesus says, look, when you yoke to me, the yoke's easy, the burden's light. Why? Because he's the one in control. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one that you're dependent upon. Um, it's this concept that, that it, it does. I mean, it, it takes time. It's a learning process. But as you start to learn this, then what happens is the burden becomes lighter the yoke becomes easier. It's kind of like, okay, so I'm going to get into a whole world that I don't nothing about. So you're going to have to help me here. Can you put any, okay, so let's say I want to go ride a horse, all right? Can I just go get any saddle and throw it on there? I mean, I know I can ride a bareback. I do know that. I've done that. But can I just go and or isn't the saddle fitted to the person and the horse, kind of? I'm talking about the ideal world, okay? When Jesus talks about yoke, and by, again, I, there's so many rabbit trails I want to go down. It's really hard to stay on track. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus worked in a carpenter shop. Now, if it was a woodworking carpenter shop, I don't think it was. I think it was about it was it was stone. But if it was a woodworking carpenter shop, he would have made yokes. It was a common thing to make in that time by a carpenter. What kind of yoke do you think Jesus would have made for two animals that are going to be yoked together? It's going to be a perfect fit. See, the idea of yoking together, the reason that the burden is light, the reason that everything is easy is because it's perfectly fitted to the animals that are using it. And here's what he's saying. When you depend on Christ and you yoke yourself to Christ, he's got a perfect fit for your life. The problem is when you don't work within that perfect fitting thing, when you try to put a saddle on that doesn't fit or when you try to put a yoke on that doesn't fit or you start adding things to your plate that God doesn't have for you to do, that's when it becomes a problem. That's why we get stressed because we just keep we just keep adding things and adding things and adding things without stepping back and saying, God, what do you want for me here? Hey, listen, those of you who are parent, have you ever stopped and asked yourself, God, what do you have for my kids? What do you, what's the plan you have for my kids? That passage in Proverbs which says, train up a child in the way he's old, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Literally, here's what it is. Every kid is bent a certain direction. Figure out what that direction is and work within God's plan to keep them in that bent to direction. That's what he's saying. But what we do in life is we step back and we just we look at the world and we look at what's happening in the world and we go, that's what I'm going to do. And I think one of the things that's happening right now, the, the peer pressure for parents is far worse than the peer pressure for a teenager. And we get parents going, well, what do you mean your kid's not in wrestling? What do you mean they're not in dance? What do you mean your kids don't play an instrument? And then you start going, well, what kind of parent am I? I guess I've got to get my kids involved in all that stuff. And so... Instead of sitting back and saying, how's this kid bent? How's this kid wired? What is it that, that, that God wants us to do as a family with our kids? 
Okay, sure. Yep, sign them up for that. 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 And let's go from this activity to this. Okay, I can't cover this activity. Can you go pick them up from here? And maybe we can get a grandparent to get them from here. And then we can do this. And then we can do this. And we sit there and then go, I don't understand why my kids are stressed. Oh, and by the way, there's homework. God forbid that should get in the way of your child's. How dare that teacher assign homework? Don't they know there's like three games this week? Come on. And what happens is we keep adding this stuff to it. And so, and again, adults, we do the same thing. We keep adding stuff to our schedules and adding that, adding that, instead of sitting down and saying, God, what do you have for me this week? I'm not going to be in control. You're going to be in control. I'm going to let you call the shots here, God. I'm going to let you decide how I handle this situation. I'm going to let you decide, God, how whether or not I sign up for that or don't sign up for that. I'm going to ignore the pressure of the world to do it their way, and I'm going to look at how you want me to do it. So let me give you a practical illustration. This past week, again, I've been gone all week, came in Thursday night, so I'm laying in bed Thursday night, go to sleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I wake up. Concerned, worried about a certain situation. And I can't go back to sleep. This thing is, I am wide awake going, oh, okay. Again, I knew what I was going to preach on. I've been studying this for four days. And it was like, I just trust the Lord. God, take care of this. And it still kept, and I couldn't get back to sleep. And so I finally said, okay, Lord. I even thought about getting up, going down to my office, firing up the computer, and working for a couple hours. And working on it and figuring out what I can do. And and finally, I just, I said, Lord, you got to let me know what to do in this situation. And I watched an episode of Swamp People that I'd recorded. And then I went back to sleep till I got up that morning. Don't even ask, Okay. Don't even ask. <laughs> um, and I got up the next day, and you know what? I said, Lord, this is your situation. What do you want me to do here? And I got no answer. So you know what I did on it on, on all day Friday? Zip, zero, zilch. And I got up Saturday, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do about this situation? You know what I did about it? Zip, zero, Got this morning, you know what I said, Lord? Situation hadn't gone away. Hadn't fixed itself. Lord, what do you want to do here? The answer that I got was, well, if this happens, then that's a window for you to handle it today. If not, go to sleep tonight, get up to morning, and ask me what we're going to do tomorrow Monday. That's what we're talking about. It's not procrastinating. It's not putting it off, but it's the simple thing of, I'm yoked to you. This is technically your problem. So you tell me what direction we're going and what we're supposed to do to this. That's what we're talking about. That's how we're talking about living it out. We've, we've done that in this ministry for years. Um, you know, as we face challenges in this ministry, and we had to move from Holly Springs, it was one of those things where I was convinced in my mind that of, of a place that God was going to give us to go and build a building, and it wasn't here. 
But we just said, you know what? God's got to lead us. God's got to direct us. And by the way, we, that means that we go in his timing, not ours. I'm, I, I know enough about NASCAR to be a little dangerous. But here's what I do know about NASCAR. At certain times in a race, a pace car comes out. Now, here's what I do know. You're not allowed to pass the pace car. You get in trouble if you zip around the pace car and keep racing the race. Why? The pace car, for whatever reason, has decided, has come out onto the track to say, we're all going to stay at this speed together. We're all going to go in this, uh, on, in this direction. And usually there's an accident, so they, they buzz everybody around it. But the pace car sets the pace for the whole race at that point. Here's what we're saying. Jesus is that pace car. But what do we do? Okay, God, you're not doing it fast enough, so I'm going to do this, 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 and this. We zip around the pace car, and then we wonder why we're in trouble. We, 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 we say we're going to be yoked to Christ, but we keep wanting to go our direction and pulling and pulling and pulling against what he wants. And the next thing we know, we're frustrated with life, and we're wondering why it's so hard. Well, I don't understand it. I'm a Christian. Everything shouldn't be this hard. Because you're not yoked to Christ. You say you are, but you keep wanting to go your direction. And it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And that's why he said, look, when you do it this way, so here's what I'll say. I haven't lost any more sleep over that issue since I started doing it. Why? I'm I'm trying to be flippant, but this is God's problem, not mine. Now, I have to deal with all the consequences of it, but you know what? It's God's deal. And in his time, in his situation, I have no question, God will impress upon my heart what I need to do, and hopefully I'm sensitive enough to be able to do what he wants me to do and handle it the way he wants me to handle it, go the direction he wants me to handle it. So let's wrap it up. Three things. First of all, come unto me. You gotta to go to Christ with this stuff. Stop trying to carry it on your own. My question to you this week is what are you gonna do for your soul this week? Now, I don't know about you, but I already know what we're having for supper tonight. Today. I already know. You know tomorrow when I get up, we will plan out what our meal is. So here's a question. I don't have any question this week I will feed my body. I don't have any question I fed it last week. But I I know this week I will feed my body, okay? What am I going to do to feed my soul? What are you going to do to feed your soul this week? That's important. It's an important part of this process. Secondly, you are yoked to something this week. Whether it's your schedule, whether it's your your goals or your priorities, you are linked to something this week. Is it Christ? Or is it your agenda, your plans, your purpose, everything that you've got all laid out and everything else? And really, here's the thing. God's really not a part of it because you have it under control in your mind. Let me tell you what I have learned from experience. Control is an illusion. You only think you're in control. 
Bottom line is this. You have a heart attack this afternoon. Your next month is changed. You walk out of this building and slip and fall in that parking lot. Your next month is changed. You go into your job tomorrow and they look at you and say, we're making cutbacks. Um, you know what? Um, your job is no longer going to be needed or necessary. Your month has changed. You go to a doctor's office and say, hey, you know what? I've been noticing this. And the next thing you know, a doctor looks at you and says, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to run more tests. And none of those results come back good. Your month is changed. Why? Because you're not in control. And the sooner we recognize that, the better, because God only lets us think we're in control. And the reality of it is, that's why he says it's so important that you start getting stressed out. You step back and you go, you know what? I want what God has. I'm going to God with this situation. I'm going to be dependent upon him. I'm going to try to live that as a way of life. One of the things you have to do is you're going to have to, we're going to talk about this next week, but you're going to have to step back from your life and you're going to have to ask yourself whether or not you have too much stuff on your plate that you were never intended to be doing anyway. Because what happens is we're in a world where we just keep adding, 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 and we don't take anything away. It's why, by the way, talk to anybody in a counseling world right now, and they will tell you we're a society that's living at a stress level that is unmanageable. And we are having people short out mentally. And we are ha- and I'm not just talking about I'm not talking about people who've been through crisis. I'm talking about people in just general. The, the time thing that I quoted last week. That we have 25 percent of people who can't even function in normal daily activities because they are overloaded with stress. Something's got to give. And for us as Christians, we have an answer. And then we can turn to Christ and we can take our burdens to him and we can learn to let him call the shots and we can learn to let him work in our lives so that we're doing what God has intended and designed and bent each one of us to do. And then we can all of a sudden come back at the end of the week and go, you know what? The burden has been easy and light this week because I haven't had to carry it like I've been doing. So I end this morning with this idea. Control is an illusion. We only think we're in control in this thing called life. The life of a Christ follower is a life of learning to trust God and follow his leading. It's a life lived in obedience and balance. Christianity is a life lived in partnership with Christ. So allow him to direct your schedule this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it's so easy for us to just assume everything's going to keep going and we're going to be able to keep everything under control. But the reality of it is, Lord, you're in control. So, Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves in the way that we handle this thing called life. Help us, Lord, to follow your leading, your direction, your purposes, your plan, your will for us. 
Lord, may this week be less about what we want and more about what you want for us. And may we learn, Lord, to really let you be in control. And when it's all said and done, some of the pressure, some of the stress, some of the strain that we're under, may we be able to find that life is so much easier when we follow what you want instead of what we want. These things we ask in your name. Amen.